1: And we are back. Thank you for joining us for another of the most scintillating hour in finance radio. And guys, I'm pumped to be here. Hopefully, you're pumped to listen. Obviously, we've got a lot to discuss. Uh, two weeks ago, before I, well, no, was that three weeks ago? Three weeks ago, before we went to Arizona, I was telling you guys, watch out. I think in the next week or two, tech's going to get slammed um, and probably see another rally higher in oil yesterday we hit 100 and oil pulled back rather quickly um bit of an odd move I, I i think if you're looking at oil um considering what's going on in russia and ukraine you know if you were if you were to show me the supply demand picture of of oil and then you add the ukraine russia thing on top of it i i would expect 100 to 110 so this pullback is um interesting to say the least um I really don't think I, – I, I, I think oil right now – when I look at oil, everybody's talking about, oh, this Ukraine scenario is over. Look, if the Ukraine-Russia scenario ended right now, I think oil would probably drop 10 to 15%, okay? And then I think over the next two to three weeks, it would come right back. I, I don't look at oil right now and see a lot of geopolitical risk priced into it. I could be wrong. Uh, I've said before I'm not an oil expert. Um, but if you just look at, if you look at inventory draws right now, if you look at production, if you look at rig counts, uh, I, I don't see any alleviation on, on price coming anytime soon. Um, what I did find immensely amusing, and I've heard this stuff before, and this is not a, I, I, I've heard this nonsense come from, well, I've heard a lot of nonsense come from both sides of the political aisle, but this one just happened to be the president. And uh, I just sat back in my chair and was just dying laughing in the middle of his address to the Ukraine, right? The Ukraine situation. And he's basically excoriating Putin, you know, giving him the what for. And in the middle of the speech, throws into the mix, US oil producers, if they're taking advantage of this situation to price gouge consumers, guys, if you believe that, I, I got a bridge to sell you. If U.S. oil producers determine the price of oil, what were they doing last year or in 2020, 2020, rather? So a year and a half ago, what were they doing when oil went negative 37? This is such a stupid comment. And it's so stupid that he cannot believe it. I I don't believe that his advisors would think that. I, I mean, unless they're high school dropouts. Right. Why do I say this, guys? And this is not a look. And people on the right have said stupid stuff. And when they say stupid stuff, I'm going to pin them to the wall. Okay, oil is the biggest global market outside of U.S. dollars, period. And it is intricately tied to U.S. dollars, meaning it's a market too big. I mean, are you kidding me? When you look at the size of the oil market, you're going to blame U.S. producers but not bring up OPEC? It's just ridiculous. They, they don't have control over the price of oil and then what do you want them to do if if the if if the price at the at the wellhead for oil is 92 do you expect them to sell it to us for 70 i this war on energy is just insane it, it, i i can't and we'll get into the rest of the market update but i just have to address this because it, it is so To me, what is scary about this, guys, is it smacks of of communist China, communist Russia. And and, and I know that that sounds hyperbolic, but let me explain what I mean. To me, the danger of this, and I think the danger of the energy situation in general, is that when ideology leaks into common, common practices, when, we're, when we start injecting ideology into something like energy that doesn't care what your ideology is, that's a toxic brew, right? Because now you're, right, energy is binary. You have it or you don't, right? You either have enough or you don't have enough. It doesn't care. There's no soft feelings, right? There, there's no morality to it. it. It just is what it is. You can either flip on the lights or turn on your heater. You can't. Your car can either drive to the store or it can't when you start injecting these non-factual ideological aspects into something like energy, it's dangerous. And, 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 and then he's going to pick out us producers. We, we, I mean, we, I mean, if he's calling out OPEC, I would tell him, I think OPEC has less control over the price than most people think, but, but, but that would be, you know, that would, they they've certainly got a bigger say over the price of oil than Conoco Phillips or Exxon. I, it's just, it just scares me because I, I, again, I don't think he really believes this. But in an address, another country invades Ukraine and we're going to use right violence, people being shot in the street. Now, I don't, it's, it's not a very intense kinetic conflict at this point. So I'm not, I'm not trying to play it up. But you take that platform to call out US oil producers for price gap. Ca- I, what does that even mean? They don't determine the price of oil. I, it's just, it's scary to me. And and again, this is, I do not want to be one of those people that jumps off the ledge and, 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 you know, makes a ridiculous dramatic equivalency here, but it kind of, it reminds me of why we're essentially what we're doing for ideological reasons is we are flirting with, or at the very least risking serious energy disruptions. Okay, And I I don't think that's a hyperbolic statement. I I, I think that's fair. But we're risking serious energy disruptions for what? For ideological purposes that are not fact-based. And again, I'm not making a direct equivalency. I'm not saying they're the same. But why I said it smacks of communist China or communist Russia is you saw these types of things play out. Go back and look at the USSR, right? They make a policy shift of some kind that results in you know, barren shelves and no food in grocery stores and all that kind of stuff because they're holding an ideological line against the West or whatever the case may be, or Mao Zedong for political reasons, uh, essentially starving 30 to 40 million people to death. Right. It's it's it, and again, guys, I'm not saying it's the equivalent. It's not even close. I'm just saying it, it, it's it's that type of thing. And and those scenarios never play out well because you're injecting political ideology into something that doesn't care. Right, oil isn't woke, <laughs> right now gas isn't woke. And it really it really amazes me the 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 blindness to this whole energy topic. Because it's rather simple. And I was listening to a podcast on Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan's podcast, we had a a climate change scientist on, very sharp guy, um knows his stuff. And it was just shocking to me the amount of anecdotal and 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 like I said, he knows his stuff. Having said that, it shocked me to listen to how little he understood on the economic side, right? Because it's one of the, one, one the advantages, and I'm sure you guys have experienced this before. But when you're sitting there listening to somebody talk about their area of expertise, you kind of sit back and you take notes. And you know, if something that they say disagrees with something you think, um, you're going to listen up because they're an expert, right? then every once in a while those kind of people wander off the path and 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 they kind of wander in your area expertise and then when they do that you kind of realize it's the it's it's the king with no clothes on where you kind of have that moment where you sit back and go oh my gosh this guy doesn't know what he's talking about and the reason i bring it up is is there were some aspects of that joe rogan conversation where you go holy smokes right this guy is a you know a fairly well-known player in the climatology world and all that kind of and you hear he, some of the economic assertions he made were just ridiculous. Like, for instance, he was trying to argue that, that the reason more green energies are getting deployed on the grid is because they're more cost-effective. He's just completely wrong. And, and the, reason that, the reason I bring this up is not to bash on the guy. I actually had a decent and uh, uh, balanced and, and, and respectful exchange with him on Twitter asking him about some of the things that he said. But the reason I bring it up is to illustrate the threat Meaning the people setting our policy, guys, I don't really think they get it. I don't think that this is just a war against carbon you know, emissions. Uh, meaning I, I don't think it's purely an ideological war. I don't think I'm sitting there listening to this guy going, OK, I'm going to take him at face value. And I think his name is Andrew Hassler. And, and worth listening to very, very, you know, I like to hear both sides of the debate. But it was just amazing, you know, when it comes to global warming, and again, we got to get to the market update, and I I just, but when it comes to global warming, the thing that drives me nuts about this topic in general is when people say the science is settled. Saying the science is settled is not scientific. (laughs) That's not the scientific process, right? The scientific process is throw every single objection and problem at this thesis and try to rip it down. And what they're saying now is that here's the thesis. And if you say anything against the thesis, we're going to cancel you. You're bad. You're evil. You want to destroy the planet. You're in the pocket of big, big oil. And I'm sitting there in the middle going, nope, none of those are true, man. I'm just trying to understand the facts. I agree with you that global temperatures are warming. I also hear very credible arguments on both sides that it really isn't a lot of human uh uh factors, right? And then I heard this guy on Joe Rogan saying that 100% of global warming was attributable to human beings. I, you know, with most things guys, I would venture to guess and it usually pays well making this bet. But I would venture to guess the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Right? And if the global temperature rise is solely due to human beings, how do you explain other periods of times in the past that had a hotter temperature than we did with no known human population on the earth at the time? Were they burning coal? It just th- these are the things that really frustrate me to, in today's society. When when we have fact based answers, right? We've got data. We can sit there and look at it, and people just ignore it. It's kind of like the COVID panic people. I was reading a thread the other day of in California they announced the mass mandate was coming off, and this professor at a college was very upset, and she's like, "I just need to scream." This is reckless. And you're sitting there reading it. And all the people responding to her are sitting there going, this is so, this is going to be a disaster. And and you're looking, at them going, do you guys read anything? And again, not in a pejorative way, not in a way where I'm attacking them, but just sitting there going, guys, this is literally you sitting around. You might as well be worried about the boogeyman. The threat of this thing is essentially over. Do people with comorbidities need to be careful? Sure. It's just amazing how far we've just, and, and, and it's probably part of the social media dynamic, but facts don't matter. You could just be in your own little corner of the world and believe whatever you want. And nobody challenges themselves. The problem is, is that when you see that type of thinking and ideology deployed to, to, in, a, in a sector like energy, that's where things get dicey. right? That's, that's what runs you into a brick wall when you just blindly follow your ideology and you're not listening to any other inputs. It kind of reminds me of the Boeing situation, right? Like when you're, you know, when that MCAS system took over, right? You're basically flying on the rules of the software system. Bear with me; it's kind of a sloppy comparison, but you're flying on the rules of the software system, and it's not taking into consideration any of the other data, like its sensor is faulty because it it a bird struck it, right? And so you just keep you keep flying the plane according to the ideology built into the software system, and you end up crashing it. And you see the same thing happen in, 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 in energy markets. And, and I'm all for con- converting to, 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 to new green energies. Who doesn't want cleaner air and a cleaner environment? All for it. I'm, I'm just not for forcing it on an ideological basis that ends up resulting in massive energy shortage and millions of deaths. And I'm not saying that's going to happen for sure. But what I'm saying is if you run this far enough, that will be what happens. So anyway, I had to go on that rant a little bit. Let's come right back for a market update. We also have an interview coming up with Chase Taylor. Um, obviously, with the things that are happening this week, Russia's incursion into the Ukraine. Um, you know, these are times. This, th- these are times why we employ and have a macroeconomic uh, analyst. Um, you know, on the payroll with us. So we're going to bring Chase in to get his breakdown of the whole scenario. We'll air about. I don't know 10 15 minutes of that interview on the show and then to hear the remainder of the interview you're going to need to go to the go to the podcast know your and as always guys had a great road show yesterday if you meant or, or if you meant to attend or you were going to sign up for it and you missed it give us a call 866-779 risk and we can send out a recorded version of it to you anyway so uh and as always if you want to call talk about how we manage our risk managed portfolios uh which our value portfolio is now flat on the year market's down about nine or ten still i think somewhere in there nine 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 and a half it feels nice we've been hovering right around there we didn't go down much i think at most we were down at four percent when the market was down 12 or something like that but 12 or 13 um but nice to be back in the green on the year or flirting with it in the value portfolio momentum portfolio is still a little bit negative but anyway, if you want to know how we, and there's a fascinating little thing. Even I didn't know this. We, part of the thing we did in the roadshow, guys, is we actually ran the data going back to 2004. And we used actual returns from one of our fixed indexed annuities and used actual returns on, did an average of a couple different bond funds, good ones. And we showed that in 2004, had you replaced your bond portfolio what was it? Was it a $1 million portfolio? I think it was a $1 million portfolio invested in 2004. Had you replaced your bonds with that fixed index annuity that is part of our bond replacement strategy? As of today, that change alone is responsible for $500,000 in greater gains, right? Switching from a bond that is riskier, that is losing money because of inflation going up and interest rates going up, that has no fee and is insured against loss, replacing bonds with our product through an extra $500,000 of value in the portfolio. People want to bash on the annuity side, guys, they, Hey, you know, fine. You can bash on it all you want. I'll take the extra half a million bucks, right? At the end of the day, that's what this business is about. I don't care what an investment's called. Our job is to put our clients in the best risk adjusted scenarios possible, meaning lowest cost, lowest risk, Highest rate of return. If I can own something that has no fee that's insured against loss, as opposed and, and makes five to six percent a year, as opposed opposed to a bond portfolio that net of fees makes one, one and a half. Why wouldn't I do that? Well, you should. So give us a call eight six six seven seven nine risk and eight six six seven seven nine risk. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com or capitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. Stay tuned. We're gonna finish up the market update because I spent the first segment ranting about the energy situation. I just had to get it off my chest, man. You guys are like a therapist. I should be paying you. Uh, anyway, so stick with us through the break. We're gonna be right back. You're listening to the know your risk radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com.
0: Do better in bull markets, do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, the Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com.
2: Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation, and it's here. With all
1: this money printing and with still 0% interest rates, inflation will very likely rise, and when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been telling people for six years, if you're using bonds in the old-school 60-40 mix as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy we teach you exactly how to do it in our free booklet common sense investing learn how to protect your portfolio against loss but still seek to grow your assets
2: call zach now for your free copy of common sense investing 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement Bowler capital management is an investment advisor representative of trek financial llc and sec registered investment advisor.
1: You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. Okay, so it's a short segment. Uh, and we are back, by the way, missed the call sign there. Thanks for sticking with us. So a little bit shorter segment due to time constraints. So I'm going to do the first part of the market update over the next four minutes or so. We'll take another break. I'll come back and finish it. And then we'll move on with the show and get to the rest of the segments. Um, Okay, so we talked about, right, we all know about the Ukraine, Russian invasion, the spike, you know, the the chaos it created in markets. Uh, I think a lot of people were caught off guard by the rally yesterday, woke up in the morning at the open. NASDAQ was down three and a half. It closed up three and a half, a 7% intraday swing for a major index. You don't see that often. However, I will say this. That at the open yesterday, and I'm not bragging, I tell you guys when we get it bad, wrong, or, or right, we have been short the NASDAQ in our value portfolio for the entire year. Um, it's been a wonderful trade. Um, actually, a leverage short, 2X short. Um, and we cut that by two-thirds yesterday at the open. Why? Um you, when you get a big gap down like that after negative pressure, we were just looking for a relief rally of some kind. The other part of it, guys, um, is that this thing hasn't gotten as hot. Uh, the Russia-Ukraine situation is as, as some feared, and it, and it still could. Um, but the other thing is, is I think the market, and we'll see, I think the market sat there and thought, okay, if we've got tensions and we've got military escalation in Ukraine, that's going to stay the Fed's hand. That's going to keep them from raising rates. And I think that's why you saw the NASDAQ so sharply outperform yesterday. Um, The other thing, guys, is just like I was saying, volatility, right? We've been saying this for months now, just saying that these are the kind of things that you should expect. And I think that that really puts the emphasis back on the risk management side. Again, I'm not just talking my book, but that's why our value portfolio is flat to slightly green on the year and the market's still down nine or 10. Right. And I, and I think that's a microcosm guys of the market ahead of us. Meaning if you don't have the ability to hedge and protect, to get out of the way, you know, to trade a little, if if you don't have that capability, I just think you're going to be, it's, it's, it's like fighting, you know, it's like going into a boxing match with one hand tied behind your back. And I've been saying that for, you know, two years that now is the time I, I, you know, you look at all the dynamics going on in the world, rate increases, inflation, Russia invading Ukraine. You know, if you're still sticking to the mutual fund ETF approach, God help you. I just don't, you know, I just, I think that what you're seeing this year is just a preview of how things are going to look. I think you could see a rally back. I think you could get stuck in trading ranges. The, the NASDAQ clearly is at this point. We'll see if it breaks out. But you've got it pinned between 12.8 on the downside on the NASDAQ and 14.2 on the upside. You know, I mean, we'll see it can it can still break out. I just think it's going to be hard pressed if the Fed continues to, to, to increase rates. And, and when you look at the scenario, the Ukraine scenario might stay their hand. But and, and we get into this in our conversation with Chase, I, I think it's wage increases that are going to make them raise at least 50 basis po- or 25 basis points. I don't see 50, especially now with the Ukraine scenario going on. But I do think that they're, they're going to raise. And I think that that is yet another pressure on the back of tech. And it amazes me how people just keep diving back into the tech trade. And we, we've got some stuff. We actually picked up PayPal after it had fallen 60% or something like that. Not a big position. We're building it. That's not a recommendation. Um, you know, and I've said that we got to, we got to sift through the wreckage. There's some good stuff. We actually added to some of our other big tech situations yesterday at the open. We pulled the short, took the profits from that short hedge that we were using and topped off some of our other positions. Um, but to me, guys, the action is still very much in the commodity space, the value space. Uh, interesting earnings announcement for Camping World. We'll hit that when we get back. But got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll wrap up the rest of the market update, move the show on to the next segment. As always, guys, if you want to know how to lower your fees, if you want active management, people that are actively trying to you know, uh, run portfolios that are flat right now on the year when the market's down 10, If you want people looking out over your stuff, you know, if you understand where we're at and you realize, hey, writing the indexes and mutual funds probably ain't going to get it done. And most importantly, I need downside protection and I want to increase my upside and lower my cost and my risk at the same time, give us a call. 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com or capitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. Stick with us. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com.
0: This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to KnowYourRiskRadio.com.
2: Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's
1: inflation, and it's here. With all this money printing and with still 0% interest rates, inflation will very likely rise, and when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been telling people for six years, if you're using bonds in the old-school 60-40 mix as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's Bond replacement strategy we teach you exactly how to do it in our free booklet common sense investing learn how to protect your portfolio against loss but still seek to grow your assets
2: call zach now for your free copy of common sense investing 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement bulwark capital management is an investment advisor representative of trek financial llc and sec registered investment advisor
1: you're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right, so, so getting into the wrap-up part of this uh, market update, which is going to take a little while, so it's probably not fair to call it a wrap-up. Um, but the continuation of this discussion, um, you know, I again, guys, I, I, think, I think it's important to look at the trend. Um, you know, again, we've been saying this for a while. Uh, S&P and NASDAQ are still down on the year um, and NASDAQ leading the way. I don't really think that that's going to change, right? Because rates, rates are going up and that's going to be a hindrance on valuations. And you guys know I've talked a lot about that. Um, it, what, the, 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 the opportunity that this opens up for other investors, though, is that while all these people are going after the tech, and chasing it and buying the dip, baby, right? We still look at the commodity space, the energy sector, guys, it's still dirt cheap. Value is still dirt cheap. Still big, the, the disconnect from economic fundamentals in this market is staggering. So camping world, you guys have heard me talk a lot about camping world. And if that's the only stock that you pay attention to that we talk about, you probably think I'm an idiot because it hasn't done that great. But it's really fascinating. So they came out with their quarterly earnings announcement. Uh, They blew away estimates for revenue. They blew away estimates for profit. They're at a $1.2 billion market cap. They're cranking out $600 million in free cash flow. They've paid off half their debt, and they've tripled their dividend, and the stock is down. So they came out the other day, earnings announcement. They announced another 25% increase on the dividend. Like I said, they beat on top and bottom lines, doing better than they've ever done, and stock sells off by 10 or 11%. It's pretty amazing, right? Now, what I think is happening here is that RVs, Camping World sells RVs, right? It's considered a consumer cyclical, right? Meaning that people are more likely to buy expensive RVs when the economy is doing good and less likely to buy it when the economy is doing bad. What the market is thinking is that this surge in RVs is solely attributable to COVID, right? It's treating it like a COVID company. Um. And look, we'll we'll know that Camping World's numbers are gonna tell us whether the market's right or I'm right over the next year. So it's, it's not, it shouldn't take long. Uh, where we think the market is getting it wrong on Camping World is that we think that, I, I would expect their revenue to pull back somewhat this year because of the ending of COVID. But I mean, the stock is trading at like 4.7 times earnings. So in my opinion, that pullback in revenue is already priced in. And on top of it, the stock's throwing off a seven and a half to 8% dividend. It's ridiculous. Now, here's the one part that I disagree with about management. I saw that they increased the dividend, and I went, oh, no. Why did I say, oh, no? Because in this environment, now, there are other things going into it, guys. And I'm not saying I know the reason why everybody bought and sold camping. I don't. But from my read on it, the reason that, they, that, that the stock sold off so hard is, A, they think it's the top of the cycle. So this is as good as it's going to get. And B, at the top of the cycle, management just announced a bigger dividend, which obviously hampers earnings. And, and it's this dynamic is the reason why I think that they should suspend their dividend in general and use the money to buy back stock. And, and here's why, right? Your stock is now negative and you have tripled your dividend. The market is telling you it doesn't care. Okay, So as a shareholder of that company, if the market doesn't care, I'd rather you use the money to buy back stock. If we just pay a dividend, the company pays the dividend, that dividend money is gone. It, it, paid, right? it, it does nothing else. You pay it out, it's gone. Right. You buy back stock, that has a lasting impact. It concentrates our ownership as, as shareholders, and it retires those dividends. So at the same time, our ownership percentage in the company is going up, because they're retiring those shares they purchased, they don't have to pay dividend payments on them, right? So earnings rise at the same time. So I put out a tweet the other day and, and tagged Marcus Lemonis and Camping World in it. And I said, look, love what you guys are doing. Uh, I, I love the thought behind raising the, the dividend. You're trying to return cash to shareholders. I get it. I love it. You know, tip of the cap. Here's the deal. We think you're wasting your money. We could be way better off buying the stock back. The market doesn't care about the dividend. It's actually being seen as a liability as opposed to an asset. And again, proof's in the pudding. You've tripled your dividend and your stock's down. Now, does that make sense? No, but there's a lot of things in this market and culture that don't make sense. And so my whole point is then save your money. Right, 8%, 8% dividend is almost, a, they're paying out $100 million a year in dividend payments. And the stock's still trading at a four times earning. And I'm sitting there going, why would you keep paying that money out? Use that $100 million a year to buy back the stock, which, you know, in there's less shares outstanding. So earning per shares go up. Our ownership interest goes up. It, it, it's, it, and then every share of stock you buy back, you're getting a guaranteed seven and a half eight 8% return on it. So the interesting thing is Limonis, to his credit saw the tweet and responded to me and said, he agreed. So if you're ready to throw in the towel on camping world, I'm not, and I'm not advising you buy it. I'm not advising you sell it. It's, I mean, I think it makes up three and a half percent of our clients, total stock portfolios. Okay. So, it's not a do or die thing. I just think it's a really uniquely underpriced company and it's paying out a fad dividend. I, what will be interesting is if he pursues something along the lines of what I'm talking about, because, and that's kind of one, I, yeah, this sounds weird, but bear with me. One of the reasons why I wanted to pull the dividend is I want to see the stock get smoked. People are like, you want it to get smoked? Yes, because they've already approved $200 million for a buyback. Right, so let's say they announce the suspension of their dividend and the stock drops to twenty-two. I'm not saying it go there, but today it's at thirty-one. Let's say it drops twenty-two. Right, that's like a thirty percent drop in the share price. That means that that two hundred million dollars they've got approved for buybacks buys back thirty percent more stock. And this is the environment. This is why we're targeting companies like this. This is where we think we're at. Is that the value? And we've talked about this before on the show. But these types of value stocks that have been overlooked, they've got a lot of them have gotten to the point where. I don't want to use the word manipulate, but they can. I mean, they can financially engineer their own stock price. And that's really attractive. And you look at a company like in the case of Camping World and you look at them and go, you should do this. It makes sense on a shareholder basis. It makes sense on a cash flow basis. It makes sense on an earnings basis. The other thing is if they suspended their dividend, the stock might actually go up. Right. Because the way the market looks at it is, hey, that's $100 million back in the company's pocket. So, I, you know, those, those, those situations are still very much alive. And I also think it's funny, you know, it did get slammed right after that awesome earnings report, Camping World did. And it's already clawed the vast majority of that back. Um, so many other plays. Uh, one of our oil plays yesterday, I, it really looks like the oil companies are starting to unthaw a little bit. They haven't really been tracking the price of oil. But uh, one, of our, one of our plays that we were excited about, as a matter of fact, it's one of the ones that we've talked about on the show that we bought at like an $850 million valuation and $90 oil. They're paying out like $610 million of free cash flow. So you buy a company for $850 million that has no debt and $100 million on the balance sheet. And in one year, they're free cash flowing $610 million or roughly you know 65%, 70% of your total investment in a single year. Well, yesterday, that company, and I'm not going to say the name because it's small and, 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 you know, I could get in regulatory trouble. It's, it's, a, it's a small cap, right? 850 mil. But um, they just announced a massive oil find off the coast of Namibia. They own a piece of it. Their stock popped 23% yesterday. It's up another 4% today. Um, I, this energy opportunity is still there, I, I, massively there. And what I, you I'll, I'll repeat it again. What, what the market, in my opinion, is getting wrong is you hear people all the time saying stuff like, well, I don't want to buy oil stocks because we don't think oil is going a lot higher. Doesn't need to, guys. Doesn't need to. These things are flipping cash machines at this level at $90 oil. I mean, it's stupid. Um, other things going on. Okay, we talked about the value update, um, the rate hike scenario. We talked about that. I'm really interested to see what the Fed does. I I was under the opinion yesterday that the incursion into the Ukraine would stay the Fed's hand. Then I had my interview with Chase today and he doesn't think that they can pass. He thinks they're going to raise 25 pips. The market basically has that priced in at this point. So if they do that, I wouldn't expect it to create a lot of waves. Now, I think this is a very slim chance, but on the outside chance that they come in, and do a 50-bit hike, that would create some waves. Because I just, I, 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 don't see that as being priced into this market. Um, but we'll see. I mean, that, you know, I, nobody's got a crystal ball. You don't know what those people are thinking. And I just, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm going to take the other side of Chase, which is not usually a good idea, especially on macroeconomic things. And that's why we listen to them. I just don't see them raising in this scenario. I guess they could always pull it back if, you know, if if, like, for instance, if they were to raise 25 basis points and the Ukraine situation and Russia situation kind of spiraled out of control, they could always pull it back. But man, they do need to. And like Chase points out in the interview, and that's why I want you guys to hear the entirety of it. Like I said, we're going to run 10, 12 minutes of the radio interview. I got to get rolling here pretty quick to get that started. But I, I want you to hear this, but also subscribe to the podcast because hear the rest of what Chase has to say. He's got some really interesting comments on food prices, obviously gas, obviously Ukraine, uh, the geopolitical dynamics, you know, that lie there within. Uh, and I just think it's, I, you know, I think this is this is an important issue in markets and in, in, in the world and the global economy. Um, it's also interesting to see the Chinese interaction into this. Um, chase is going to get into that too. So I don't want you guys to miss it, but what else are we looking at guys? I mean, I think that, um, I'm trying to think outlook. One of the things we were wrestling with is what's the outlook on the NASDAQ NASDAQ. And the reason I think that's important is just, again, it's the weight of the NASDAQ. I just, I I think as the NASDAQ goes, it's going to be very hard for the market to bucket. Right. So for instance, the NASDAQ has been singled out this year. Right? But look what it's done to the S&P 500. I mean, it's, it's you know, NASDAQ was down 15, 16 at the bottom yesterday, and S&P was down 13, you know, so it's going to pull it with it. Um, but I, you know, right now, the NASDAQ just looks like it's in a trading range of 12, 8 on the downside, like I was saying in the market update to 14, 2. You break out above 14, 2, and I think that's a different ballgame. But so far, they just hasn't been able to gain that traction. Um, what else are we looking at? Nagas scenario, keeping an eye on that. Truthfully, between you guys and me, I would have s- expected to see Nagas, and Nagas did get a pop, pretty big one, and then gave it back pretty quickly. Um, I think the Nagas story, as it relates to the whole China or Russia Ukraine thing, is is more interesting because Nagas is more at the center of the European uh, um, energy crisis, or what we're calling an energy crisis. Um, but you're not seeing a whole, you know, I don't think anybody, everybody's taking the Russian scenario seriously, but we're nowhere close to a worst case scenario at this point. Um, I I'll just continue to say, I look at the world today and everything that just keeps happening, you know, it has me pointed toward natural resources has me pointed toward raw materials, war and conflict even make that more important because, Right. You got war and conflict going on and the transportation of goods and services across borders becomes more complicated, more expensive. And it just it amazes me how you go through something like COVID and all the things that kept landing deflationary. Right. Are flipping inflationary. And and, and that's another reason why I want you to listen to the topic, because I think the inflation discussion that Chase and I have is really important, meaning you could see prices move substantially higher this year from where they currently are and see inflation cool. And I think that's going to confuse a lot of people, but you got to remember in order to maintain 7% inflation, prices have to keep going up by 7%, right? So it's not like you hit this point and then you hold there in order, right? If, if you hit 7% inflation and prices just stay there over the next you know, period of time or whatever, if you don't move from that area, inflation will be zero, right? And I think a lot of people forget that. So when we say inflation is going to cool down, it doesn't mean prices are going down. It means the acceleration of prices to the upside will cool down. And I very much agree with Chase. I think at the back half of this year, I would expect to see that. I think energy and food are kind of in their own situation right now, just because you have legitimate shortages. So I don't really think that that's, you know, people are throwing oil into the inflation top. Oil is a supply and demand issue. This isn't the reason oil is going up is not a monetary phenomenon, in my opinion. Um, and And I don't think that's a controversial opinion. So anyway, you know, let's I think the most important part of this show today is really getting to this interview um, and hearing Chase break down the dynamics of the of the Russian Ukraine scenario. So let's cut things off here um, and uh, and get to the interview. Like I said, we're going to have time to run about 10 minutes of it. Um, if you want to hear the remainder of the interview, which I highly, you know, obviously, I do it. I did it. So I, I, I think it, I think it's pertinent. But go to knowyourriskradio.com, dot capitalmanagement.com, sign up for the podcast, download and subscribe, and then you can get all the interviews we've ever done. And then you get live updates when we've done another one. It just comes into your inbox. So anyway, gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Chase Taylor, our our macroeconomic tourist tour guide. And he's gonna lay it out for us and break it down and, and hopefully shed some light and give us some good insights on on the impacts and the and the fallout from this new geopolitical tension. So stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. Hey, and as always, guys, if you missed the road show, call us 866-779-RISK. We can send you a recorded version of it. Um, And if you want to talk to us, obviously, risk management. I mean, I think, again, what we're seeing this year, if you guys have been listening to the show, we've kind of been right on the money here. Um, And, you know, I think this volatility is going to continue. Risk management is going to be the key. Bottom line. It's the only reason that we're flat to slightly positive on the year. So give us a ring, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, or capitalmanagement.com. Follow me on Twitter at KYR Radio. You guys know the drill. We'll be right back with Chase Taylor. Stick with us. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com.
0: This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to KnowYourRiskRadio.com.
2: Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? ironically bonds really why because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at
1: zero interest rates it's likely to create some serious inflation and inflation crushes bonds if your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds you may need a bond replacement strategy now get our free booklet common sense investing to learn about bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss but still seek market gains our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost
2: call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC-registered investment advisor.
0: What does outside-the-box investing really look like? Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management, and see a side-by-side comparison of your current portfolio versus one Zach would recommend. Schedule your free risk review at knowyourriskradio.com.
2: Every day there's a new headline, major corporations require mandatory vaccinations, and these mandates have a lot of people thinking about early retirement. If you're exploring your options, listen up. It's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital, host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, this is a big life-changing decision. It's a huge decision.
1: A lot of people don't know if they can retire or when they can retire. In fact, many Boeing employees contacted us for their VLO early retirement decision last year, And most didn't think they were able to retire, but more than half of them could. Look, the last thing you want in a time like this is to leave your portfolio vulnerable. And that's why we emphasize risk management. We have the experience to guide you through the numbers and
2: show you when it's your right time to retire. Don't you want to know? Call Zach now and find out. 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwer Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor.
1: You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back, uh, and and I'm excited to be back doing another deep dive segment. Um, And considering everything that's gone on this week, you guys probably already know who we're having on here. Um but it, considering everything going on in the world we got to go to our macroeconomic specialist Mr. Chase Taylor of Pinecone Macro. Chase it is always good to have you on man um and I always find your input valuable but uh little <laughs> we are in your wheelhouse aren't we?
3: Yeah I guess so we just just another boring week in the markets huh? <laughs>
1: I did a, I did an interview uh, on a radio station down in Phoenix yesterday, and uh, he had me on. He's like, you know, what's going, what's going on? And Zach's gonna try to make sense of things. And I said to him, I go, what, what did something happen? Like, did, did something happen that I'm not aware of? You know, Joe obviously being sarcastic, but um, yeah, this, this, l- let's start from the ground up, Chase. Um, one of the things that I've been trying to do is look at this situation and and uh, tr- try to try to glean. What can be gleaned uh, from it? And one of the things that gives me pause about this whole situation is uh, Putin and uh, his background, the way he goes about doing things and then just and and then also culturally looking at it. Um, One of the things I always think about when we're looking into Russia is this is the country where the term Potemkin village was was coined. Um, And I think that you always need to be looking at what's real and what's theater um, is there a part of this that's theater? Is, is, do you think Putin is determined just to take over Ukraine? Um, and, you know, feel, feel free to pontificate and fill in the blanks because we're all, you know, we're all guessing and trying to look at this whole thing. What do you think his, his aim is? And is there something that he's looking for in terms of capitulation that will get him to pull back? And is there, like I said earlier, is there a component of this that's theater? Uh, you know, him trying to get leverage to get his way or is this for real?
3: I think, I think the tactical stuff has been, there's been a lot of theater, a lot of, I mean, the U.S. came out and said, you know, they're going to do false flag attacks to create, you know, a reason to justify the invasion. That's exactly what we saw. Um, but as far as the the aims, I I think it's, I mean, Ukraine has always been sort of a, a really important buffer state and if it's not, if it's not thoroughly controlled by Russia or, thoroughly controlled by the West, then it's kind of, you know, both sides can, can kind of live with that when it's fully controlled by one or the other, then the other side struggles to live with that. So I think it's got to the point where uh, Ukraine was so pro-European that that was, that was a problem for pro-Western. That was, that was a problem for, for Putin. And he, he just kind of can't live with having a a pro-European and country talking about joining NATO right on his border, and, and if you look at the map, not that far from, from Moscow, and that's, you know, that's all it's all flat land there. It's easy to get across, so, I mean, at, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to, and as far as what he's looking for, I think I think he at least needs to, to go back to being a, a pretty neutral buffer state. Now, whether that, I'm guessing he, he is going to want more than that now that he's, you know, taken on all, all this heat and, and actually invaded, so... I'm assuming he's going to want the current government to pretty much go away and, and have some sort of some sort of puppet government or something at least at least that he has a lot more control over that than he does now and and, and he's going to want Ukraine to largely demilitarize at least short term. I mean, granted they've already kind of done that on their own with with what they've done uh, with with you know all these all these bombings and attacks and everything. But I mean, at the end of the day, that that's it. He wants them to not have teeth and he wants them to not be so pro-European. Know, how that all shakes out i have no idea but
1: so almost kind of emulating a uh, uh, structural setup that that existed pre-berlin wall coming down like where you've got the you you know you've got the especially with a lot of these eastern block kind of countries you know you had a president uh, but the president was just a lackey for for putin or whoever you know well not putin at the time but uh gorbachev and yeltsin at the time right like is that is that kind of what you think he's after kind of recreating that type of setup
3: it's possible, and I've seen some speculation that that, that it could be kind of a East Ukraine, West Ukraine sort of outcome. Where oh wow, maybe he sort of at least quasi you know, annexes the East and, and lets you know the the, your, the nationalists of, of Ukraine kind of keep the West or something. And I mean, they have kind of a river that divides the country right down the middle. Um, but Kiev's on the on the on the west side of, of the river there, so that makes that kind of awkward. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, at the end of the day, I'm not sure and just it's kind of confusing to see how this is going to play out uh the, the markets obviously freaked out and then they got really happy whenever they heard they were going to talk again or they were open to talking again it, it just kind of depends on how these talks go if, if they do surrender to to russia and then have these talks i mean it, it's sort of awkward like what you you can't really have talks when whenever one party has a gun pointed at the other <laughs> but, but at the end of the day like it, the way this all actually works out it might does tend to make right when it comes to outcomes so it probably is how it's going to go down
1: one of the things uh that i've been thinking about and and i could be completely off base here but the 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 role that ukraine plays in that part of the world and really europe as a whole is is you know it's a bread bucket. it's the bread basket right especially the crimea i mean that, that's that's correct a correct assertion on my part correct
3: I, I can't remember on on, on the Crimea side of how much how much the wheat's grown there, but,
1: but Ukraine is a is a breadbasket of that area. That's yeah, fair absolutely. to say. Yeah, yeah, well, that definitely is. Do you think that that plays a role in this? Do you think that he's looking at that component of it? Because I mean, if you've got if you've got the breadbasket squared away, they clearly have energy squared away. They're somewhat. With Ukraine in the mix, I would look at them and go, they're 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 somewhat insulated from inflationary pressures, uh, at least much more so than a than a country that does not have those natural resources. Do you think the food side of it and the inflation side of it plays a part?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes it a more attractive, you know, acquisition for Putin if he if, if the goal is to uh, bring on, you know, like actually do some annexation. Whether I mean. For one, they have a lot of people. All
1: right, guys. Unfortunately, due to time constraints, we've got to shut the interview off right here. Uh, but as I mentioned before, listen to the rest of this. Chase is very good at what he does. He's helped make us a lot of money and save a lot of money. Valuable insight here. Go to knowyourriskradio.com, boardcapitalmanagement.com. You can also just Google Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Okay? It's on virtually every podcast site out there. Hear the rest of this interview with Chase. Um, I just, I I think he's got some very critical things to say about energy and food and you don't want to miss it. And it's going to be a big theme coming up in the next year or two and possibly even longer. So really want you guys to hear this as always, give us a call. You can talk to me, one of our advisors about how we're drastically reducing risk, increasing upside and lowering fees at the same time. That's the name of the game going forward, guys. It's going to be all about risk management from here on out. Um, give us a call 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. And as always, thank you so much for joining us. We will be back next week. Got another good interview on the docket. Not going to tell you what it is. You'll have to tune in to find out. But until then, have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com.